You're listening to the Sermon Podcast of Damascus Road Church. What, what stories captured your attention as a kid? When you were a kid, uh, what were the books or the movies or the plays, especially fiction, that drew you in as a kid? Why do we love them so much? I think because stories take us to a different world. Stories take us and they plant us in some other place that could be. We are spectators of another life for the time in the stories. And the best stories capture us in such a way that we actually look at our life differently. Like we take a time out to go into that world, but when we come back into our world, we're changed because of it. You take in a story and something stirs in you. Joy or sadness. Anger or exhilaration. I just watched Coco again with my kids recently, and it made me want to hug them a little bit tighter. Last night, I had what felt like, for me, a parenting win. Because at bedtime, we gave our kids a choice to say, you can go watch something, or you can choose to read together. And Lucy was like, can we read? Because we're reading this adventure book right now with pirates and flying kids and magic. She's like, I'd rather read right now than watch something. And we spent that whole time reading. And it was wonderful because the, like the story and together beat out what Netflix had. That just felt like a little win for me. <laughs> Stories move us. And part of the reason is part of the reason why storytellers way back when were seen as like uh, the most important people in a community. They were the ones that, before books, passed on the history, uh, were able to draw people into oral history times of like, this is where we come from. These are the stories of our people. This is where we're going together. We need to remember that. Some of the best teaching, I think, happens through stories because stories don't just go right at you. The stories kind of sneak around the back end, right? And you drop your defenses long enough to realize, oh, no, this is talking about me and I'm already in the middle of it. Jesus used stories a lot. Jesus used parables a lot. And we're going to, two years ago, we did a parable series. And we're jumping back into a parable series right now uh, through the summer. And we're taking a look. Parables were these uh, usually fiction stories that Jesus told to illustrate a point, to teach a point. They had characters that he didn't often give names to, to just say there was a man who was doing this. And people got into the story and said, I, this is what the kingdom of God is like. Then let me tell you, let me teach you in a non-direct way, but it sneaks into your life. Often, they're like allegories, but they're not allegories usually in that this means this, and this means this, and this means this, and this means this, and this means this. Usually, parables have one main point that they're trying to make. Right? Unless, Jesus, unless Jesus explains every piece of them and say, and we're going to do that today, this piece in this uh, parable means this, and this one means this, and this one means this. Usually the goal is to find the main point that Jesus is trying to teach or is teaching, trying to communicate to us and pick that out. So we did this, I said, a couple of years ago. The teaching team at the time looked at all of the parables 
And then we as a team voted to say what parables would make the cut for the, the number of weeks that we're going to be together in this series. And that series was all of the parables that made the cut. This series is the misfits. Okay? This series is the leftovers. Here's what's really exciting about that. There's really no leftovers in the Bible. right? Jesus told this parable uh, for a, with a point, all of these. Except for today, this will be a repeat because it's kind of a parable about the parables. Okay? Jesus told all of them on purpose. None of them were like accidental, and then he finished, and he was like, oh, I've done better. Okay? What that means is the ones that we often skip over, there's stuff there that we can receive. There's stuff there that we can hear. So I'm really excited to go into the misfit parables or the second choice parables this summer and see what God has for us in that. So this morning, we're going to dive into the parable of the sower and the soils, um, because again, it talks about what Jesus is going. And they actually, he has a conversation with his disciples about just why are you teaching in parables instead of just giving it to us straight? So let's take a moment to pray, to quiet ourselves, and then we're going to go into this parable this morning. Jesus, thank you for teaching us. Thank you for caring enough caring enough about us uh, to tell us about who you are, to tell us about your kingdom, to invite us in. We thank you today uh, for teaching us parables of growth, the way that you want to get in and you want to grow in us. And what happens when we, uh, when we receive you? Would you open our ears to hear you today? As we open our word, would you help that Holy Spirit to to come off the pages, to come off the screen and come into our hearts. Make it again and again and again your living word that is sharpening us and growing stuff in us. We pray in your name. Amen. If you have a Bible, you can open up to Mark 4. We're going to start right away in verse 1, and we're going to read 20 verses. There's parable, there's questions about why parables, and then there's actually uh, explanation about what the parable means. We're going to take all three of those sections uh, and we're going to take that today. So verse 1 of chapter 4 in the book of Mark says, Again, he, this is Jesus, began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd, crowd gathered around him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. I love the, the setting. Is like Jesus takes the normal stuff of life and he says, I can teach here. Like he starts to teach on a beach and often like beaches like rise in the back and they form like this normal amphitheater and then he gets into a boat because you know how uh, sound carries over water, right? You ever done that? Like somebody's out on the raft and you can just talk to them and it bounces uh, like you couldn't talk over land. So he's in a boat and it's amplifying his voice. And so crowds can come and he just starts teaching. Now, what I can also picture, because we're getting into the parable today, is not very far away. Maybe there's a dude farming. And Jesus is in the boat, and he points over, and he's like, there's a man. And he starts uh, telling this parable, and people can picture it. People can picture, oh, yeah, this would happen in normal life. Verse 2, he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky soil where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up. But since it had no, uh, 
since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. So that, and he quotes the Old Testament here, they may indeed see but not perceive. They may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word was sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. And then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. Now, what does Jesus want in this parable? I love that he starts it with the word listen. Like, that's a clue to what he wants, right? I want you to listen. And then he bookends it. He finishes it with, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. What is important to Jesus? That we hear from God. That we don't just think we have all the answers, that we don't just take it in like, oh, I've heard that before. I want you to hear something. I want you to listen. And not just a, a casual hearing, but one that connects to life. So this verse, example is in verse uh, 10. When he was alone, the people around him asked him, why are you doing this? And he answers, he answers them and say, I'm I'm not just going after people who want to, like, come and see the show. I want, I want people who are really seeking the answers. Because if they're really going for it, uh, it's going to grow in them. They'll turn. They'll be changed. And then they asked him what it meant. And he's continually digging into them to say, I want to give you more and deeper understanding. He's giving people an invitation to say, here it is. And when they ask for more, he's like, I'll give you more. I got more where that came from. Let me, you ever have somebody say, how's it going? And you're like, are you asking me how I'm doing? Or are you just passing me? Because if you start to answer like, oh yeah, my week was really rough. And they have this awkward look like, okay. Mm right? In some ways, I think the parables are like that. Jesus tosses something out and says, will you bite? Are you interested? Do you want more? Because I can explain more if you ask. And if you want it, I have it for you. He wants us to hear. And he wants us to absorb. He wants us to take it in. And then 
what happens is we bear fruit. Real hearing causes growth. Real hearing causes growth. That's fruit. We don't stay the way we are when we really hear. So it's true that God loves you just the way you are. But he's not done with you. He's working in you and he's growing things in you. If you will receive that, God has more for you. Casual listening produces nothing. So Jesus has four soils. I want to break them down. And then I want to kind of, I want to tell you a story of some things that are growing in my life uh, toward the end. The first three are like his anti-examples. Uh, this, this happens and this isn't the goal. And this happens and this isn't the goal. This happens and this isn't the goal. Finally, this one. The first one, he says this in verse 4, and then he explains it in verse 15. He says, this is the seed that is sown along the path, and it doesn't take root. It's like uh, the seeds of the kingdom, the message of the kingdom, falls on people with shut minds, falls on people with closed ears. They don't want to listen. So I remember very, very clearly having breakfast before school with a student years ago who had all these really wonderful questions. Like, I'm really struggling with God. How could he get all those animals on the ark? And I was like, you believe in a God that's supernatural and created everything, and you want to know how he could get everybody on a boat. Like, that doesn't seem like an obstacle to me. And what, what came out of it was he wasn't just, he wasn't looking for the answers to the questions. He was actually getting puffed up thinking, I have such great questions that have no answers. There's a huge difference. Do you see that? You can ask questions and not really be concerned about the answers. Or you can ask questions and be sincere. God loves sincere questions. You want to know about a boat? Let's talk about a boat. You want to know about some hard stuff in life? Let's talk about it. And he might not give you the answer that you're looking for. He might not give you an answer that pleases you or satisfies you. And there's room for trust there. Like, will you trust me even still? Right? But if you feel like you have all these questions, but you're, there's a block there, there, there might be something to the idea that there's closed ears. This is like the hard path. When we go to Senegal, they don't have paved roads out uh, in the villages, but there are clear paths where people walk, and then there are the field areas. The seeds that fall is like the, there's no way to penetrate soil that's just hard. The good news is hard soil can be cultivated, right? If it's cultivated, it could turn into a different kind of soil that could receive something, but not in its current state. That's the first one. The second one, he says, is seed that falls on rocky ground. It doesn't really go deep. It grows up. It like responds right away. It doesn't go deep. And so when trouble comes, and we'll, uh, we have another parable about this where Jesus talks about building, how we build our life on a foundation. This one says it doesn't get very deep because there's just, there's no room to grow. And so when trouble comes, it just wilts. It's got no roots and it doesn't have anything to survive the trouble that life brings its way. So, I was trying to think of an example of this, and I went back again 
to uh, time in student ministry. The time when we, we were living in Indiana and we got a whole bunch of kids together and we drove to a big conference. And throughout the day, it was a day-long conference, and throughout the day, they gave like 10 or 12 altar calls, which in one way is fantastic. Like, people need invitation and invitation and invitation. The part that really bugged me was that I saw kids getting up all over the place, and my gut said they have no idea what they're responding to. They don't know. They're like, they're getting up because everybody else is. And after, after the conference, when we debriefed, when we talked about it, that proved true. They're like, I don't know. I just felt like I should go up. Like, that's, that's not going to sustain you. Maybe that's good. Like, we can, we can build on that. But if that's the depth of your faith, an emotional response to a message, like, that is not going to last. I, I'd even go so far as to say, if, if you rely on Sunday morning for the sustenance of your faith, you, that's not enough. If you say, I just need to get fed on Sunday morning, and then you go through the week starving, you're not going to live. You're not going to flourish. Your faith won't thrive. What I want for you is to be able to feed directly on God himself so that when we come together to worship, that's what it is. It's collective worship. And there's teaching and there's encouragement and there's feeding and there's all this stuff going on and it's wonderful and beautiful. But then we go out of here and you continue to be fed, right? You don't eat like a really fantastic meal once a week. That's not healthy. You eat all throughout the week. You eat all throughout the day. So uh, having a faith that's really shallow doesn't produce fruit. Jesus says that's the second one. The third one is the one that is, uh, falls among thorns. Jesus said it gets choked up. It gets choked out. So it grows, and it's uh, going after healthy life, growing in the kingdom. But the stuff of this world, it, gets, it starts to get tangled up. Jesus says there's desires, there's deceitfulness of our own desires, there's the stuff we start chasing after, and all of these other things take uh, priority in our attention. And they serve to choke us out. I love how Hebrews 12 starts. It says, uh, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us and let's run with perseverance. And it's this real life picture of like, uh, Satan wants to distract us away from the main thing. If he can steal our heart and steal our attention and get us to focus on even the good things in life, but not God first, that's going to end up choking us out. That's going to end up suffocating us and our relationship with God. And Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Hey, you could even get really excited about doing good things for God. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Like, there's a way that you can make doing good things more important in your life than trusting and walking with Jesus. And it's a way of earning his affection rather than receiving it and living in it and then doing good things because that's what you see him doing and you're following him in it. Does that make sense? Where doing good things could actually become something that chokes the life out of you. 
And he says there's a fourth. There's one victory here. In verse 8 and verse 20, he talks about the good soil. He talks about a soil that when the seed lands on it, it sinks in and it grows and it bears fruit. People whose minds are open to Jesus. They want to hear. They want to listen. They want to respond. And not just wanting, right? Not just wanting, anticipating God showing up. But you give, us, give a seed the right conditions. It doesn't just want to grow. It grows, right? When you put a seed in the ground and you give it the right conditions, we're not surprised when it actually grows. It doesn't just want to. So we spoke about this in our vision series the last six weeks. We talked about the need to hear from God and respond. That God is speaking into your life today. If you remember, I put up on the screen a circle. And we talked about Jesus, how he came and he said, I want you to repent and believe and not repent as in stop doing bad things, but change the way you're thinking. Let me say something new to you. You've been thinking about life or you've been thinking about this thing in a way that is not how God sees. And I want to show you something new. So to repent is to change the way you think, to let God even change your mind about something. And then when you hear from God, to respond to it. Say, I want to meet you in that. I don't want to just get busy doing things, but if you speak to me, I want to respond. This parable is all about being a kind of soil that when God says something in your life, will you receive it? Will you let it sink down deep? Will you let it take root and grow? And when that happens, fruit happens. Fruit grows. Are you this morning, are you this morning here with your mind shut, with your mind closed off? And maybe, maybe at one point, you were open to Jesus. Maybe you feel like you got a level of saturation and you're good now and you don't need anything else. And I think that can happen. And actually, we can, we can grow to have shut minds toward God. Are you there today? You're like, yeah, I've been walking around and I've just been closed to what God wants to do. I say, you don't have to stay that way. Like, let the soil of your life be cultivated. Are you here and are you walking around with Jesus, maybe with a really shallow faith? Maybe you're looking at Sunday morning to be the be-all, end-all of your relationship with God. And you're like, oh, I got fed today, or oh, I didn't get fed. And then you go dry and empty the rest of the week. Or you had an emotional response to an emotional message that was really wonderful, but is not meant to sustain you. And so you have, when you test it, a faith that is not deep, a faith that is not really growing down into the deepest parts of you. Now, I would say emotions are not your enemy, usually. Emotions are really good liars sometimes. Like, it's painful to be around a person who has no emotion. It's painful. And if you're a person who has no emotion, you should, you should be concerned about that. They say, How do you feel about that? <laughs> if you have no emotions, something needs to get stirred, right? But if you're using emotions as your decision makers, you're also going to be in a bad spot. 
Sometimes that's going to go well for you. Sometimes that's going to go really poorly because your emotions freak out. They are not to be trusted. They're to be tested. Okay? If your relationship with God is built on emotions, find something else to, uh, to use as a foundation. Find the truth about what God says as a foundation and let your emotions come and test them against what he says. And when you feel joy, live in that. And when you feel sadness, continue to, I mean, continue to test it. I, I actually hate that saying, like, if it feels good, go with it. That's such a dumb way to live life. It really is. You're going to end up in a lot of trouble if that's the way you live. Test what you feel by what God has said and is saying. You feel like you've been the third soil, maybe, where you're walking around with Jesus. You have a relationship with him. But now the stuff of the world and desires and like, uh, I want to go after this thing and I want to go after this thing, or these relationships in my life are starting to take precedence over God being in the center. And it's actually starting to choke out your passion for God. If that's the case, Jesus again invites you to say, you don't have to stay there. We can, we can take care of the weeds. Choke out, let me sink down into your life. Which one do you want to be? And in community, will you put yourself in position to receive, to hear, to be cultivated, to grow? Because fruit grows when you do that, if you're willing to listen and respond. Here's a personal deal that uh, God has been cultivating in me recently. And I'm going to tell it because it, I, I want you to have an example of, not like I'm the best example, but like this is happening in me. We've talked about how Jesus plants the seed and we don't just want to grow. Fruit actually happens or like growth actually happens. So this is, this is one way that this is growing in me recently. Uh, I'm in a coaching group a discipleship group personally, where I'm being led and I'm being coached and I'm uh, having other people, a group, pour into me, some other pastors around the country. And one of the things that we've been doing recently has been just called the landscape of life, looking at uh, different times and where God has been at different phases in your life. And we've looked at um, eruptions and erosions and earthquakes and excavations, all different seasons of your life, times like it just blows open and that can be really exciting or stuff, stuff is going on. Or times when like you feel like this, the spirit of God is just missing and it's like it's, all of it is sliding away. Or earthquakes when like something is changing, the foundation of your life is changing up. And excavations where like you want to return to something that's been there in the past and so you're digging stuff out. And we've, we've gone through... Uh, just different seasons of life, and say, what is that? Where was God during that? And then after doing that, what are some of your favorite verses? What are your, some, of, some of your favorite characters in the Bible? And let's try and make some connections. So here's something that has come out for me. Okay. Um, when I was in elementary school, often I felt like I got passed over. Like, we, I remember one recess where we went out, and everybody lines up on the first baseline for kickball, and then there's two captains picked, and I was literally the last one. 
Not because I was bad. Like, and I don't need to defend myself, I guess. I was, I was confident in my kicking skills. Like, I got picked last, and then I went last on the team, and I kicked the home run. And I was like, huh, okay, pick me last again. But I got picked last, and that stuck. And I remember another time when I went to play football with um, my, one of my cousins and his friends, and the whole time I was an outsider. And they called me doorknob. And to this day, I don't know what they meant by that. But I was like, that's a dumb insult. And it wasn't that I was feeling bad about myself, but I definitely felt outside. I definitely felt not chosen. I definitely felt not included. I remember, and maybe I've told you this story before, this is a deep, deep story in my life. Like when I was in high school, I had a group of friends that I uh, ran with, and we had an open campus at lunch. We would, every day we'd like run down to the parking lot at lunchtime, we'd pile in the car, and then we'd go to Little Caesars and get cheap pizza and then head back to fifth period. And one day we all ran down, and I got there, and the car was full, and somebody else was in it. And they were like, it's full, there's no room, and they drove away. And that was the last time I hung out with them. And again, I didn't feel like there was a problem with me. It wasn't like a low self-confidence deal, but it was like, that sucks. I'm not chosen. I'm separate. I'm apart. So then when I started to look at favorite characters and Bible verses, man, I have had an affinity for Hagar. She's this obscure Old Testament woman that we, we don't often get a lot of attention. But she was Sarah's servant. Sarah and Abraham couldn't have a child, and Sarah said, here, take Hagar. And Abraham had a child with Hagar, and then Sarah got jealous, mistreated Hagar, and Hagar ran away. And Hagar has this beautiful verse in Genesis 16, 13. It said, she, this is Hagar, gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have seen the one who sees me. Hagar, in all of her hurt, in all of her pain, was able to say, God, you see me. I'm not unseen by you. Maybe everybody else, but not you. And Isaiah 43.1 jumped out to me again this week. It says, Now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And John 15, 16 says, You did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. So here's how the gospel is working out in my life. Right? Because the gospel isn't just a static message. Right? The gospel is something that's intended to take root in us and grow in us. Here's how the gospel has worked out in my life. My coach said, I want you to take these connections. I want you to take these feelings of not being seen and not being chosen, and I want you to connect them with these uh, verses, and I want you to write out the gospel according to Shannon. Not to say you're creating some new sort of funky, whatever, emotional-based, like, whatever. Like, take the gospel of Jesus and put it over your own heart. And what is the good news? What news is he working in you? This is what I wrote this week. 
fallible. Maybe it's wrong. We'll tweak it. But I love this. I'm going to share it. I have seen the God who sees me and has chosen me. He has welcomed me in, given me my identity, and spoken courage to me to live out of that instead of fear. And he's given me, this is, this is also a cool part. This is a second part. He's given me the ability to see others. I am seen, not unchosen. I am a son and I am a co-heir with Christ. And I get to help others be seen and see that for themselves as well. God has put me in position, I think, because of some of the things that I've walked through of not feeling seen and not feeling chosen, a unique wiring where I, this is not fail safe, but I, I think God has put in me the ability to see people, the ability to call some things out in people, to speak some things into people. And I love that. And he didn't just do it randomly. He grew it out of pain. He grew it out of the soil of my life. Now, he's going to grow something very different for you, right? You let him take the soil of your life and grow something in that, and he will grow something wonderful. He says, I know you. You didn't even choose me. I love that. I didn't even primarily choose Jesus. Even before I chose him, he was choosing me. He was calling my name. He said, I appointed you to go and grow and bear fruit. He's doing that in me, and he can do that in you. What kind of soil are you? How could you grow? How could you grow? How are you growing? Because of God taking root in your life. Celebrate that. And could you become a storyteller? Could you become a storyteller? Could you become somebody who's able to share what God has done in your life, what he is doing in your life, and see people and say, God wants to do this for you too. It'll look different for you, but God wants to do this for you too. Could you become a storyteller? If Jesus has taken root in you and he causes you to see life differently, what would it look like for you to help others to see that as well? Now, just as a warning or as an encouragement, people will turn away. People will not receive what you have to offer. Not everybody. Some will. But Jesus teaches this parable where 75% of people turned away, if you're going to go math on it. And people turned away from Jesus all the time. They walked away sad. They didn't want to uh, bite down on what he was giving them. People turned away from Jesus. They're, you should expect them to turn away from you. And yet, the sower sows the seed. He's constantly out there telling the story. You can be encouraged in that. So I want to just close here, go back to a time of worship, to call out uh, maybe what you feel God doing in your own life. Definitely, I would say what God is doing in the life of the body here at Damascus Road. He is growing. He is growing in us. And fruit is starting to take shape. I love it. May we listen. May we have ears to hear. May we become all over again, maybe, students of Jesus and take hold of the life that he has for us. Let's pray.
Jesus, I'm so excited about this parable series to dig into the way that you taught, the stories that you told, the way that you stir us and grab our attention and draw our attention to you. Help us this summer to hear from you. Help us to want to, to desire that, and then to be able to see ways that you're growing in our lives. I can look out in this, in this room and, and identify growth happening. Would you send that as encouragement? And would you continue to grow in us a desire to hear from you and to respond to you, to take hold of what you have for us? May we as a church uh, and as individuals persevere in following you and trust the fruit to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.